right. Um, hello, everybody, and welcome to the newcomers. Um, I am from California in District 2 in the East Bay area. Um, I've been clean and sober for a few days over 17 months. Um, and I did join MA prior to getting both clean and sober. So I've been with MA for about, almost two years now. Um, let's see. So I guess I like to start just looking back into before I had a problem with marijuana um, to kind of get an idea of what my problems were because marijuana was the solution later on. And I think it gives me some insight to look back kind of when you do your fourth step. But, um, you know, I was really sensitive. So I had intense feelings of, um, you know, compassion and um, anger, irritability, um, sadness. So I felt and happiness. So I felt feelings very strongly. Um, I was always, uh, always, comparing myself to my brother and thinking, well, I'm not good at anything. And my mom thinks he's better. I'm not good enough. So that feeling of not being good enough. And I distinctly remember all through childhood, always wanting one really good friend to be my best friend. And I had to have a best friend. And I was jealous of people who um, seemed to have that kind of, which now I describe as um, sort of feeling right-sized. Um, so, um, I had a, a pretty nice family. I have two parents who are still together and an older brother. My older brother had, um, mental illness problems from the time he was very young. And I wasn't aware of that, um, as a child. And when I was about 18, um, just about to go off to college, he had a mental breakdown and was diagnosed with schizophrenia. So that's kind of when the big change happened, but he had always had indicators of that prior to the breakdown. So in our home, I think I developed a pattern of he was needing a lot of care and attention <clears throat> that excuse me <clears throat> that I wasn't aware of that there was a reason why, and um, so I could sense that um, connection and time with my mom and him and. Um, and I, I ended up feeling that my needs weren't very important and that, um, you know, so I, I began to minimize my needs inside. And um, so, um, and I also felt that my mom coming from an abusive father was highly critical of herself and it, it kind of passed down to me so that <clears throat> feeling of not feeling good enough um kind of was passed on from my own my own mom but i do in in my fourth step take accountability for my sensitivity to that and um you know letting it you know as we get older we can see that you know someone else's opinion of whether you're good enough doesn't matter and um you know i've had to learn some self esteem um, so anyway, um, I had a great father and he, he and I connected and I am so grateful to my father all throughout my recovery. He has a point in my bottom, which I'll share later. Um, and he really 
just loved me and, you know, would do math with me, take me on bike rides and read Shakespeare with me. And I'm, and we just connected. And so I'm really grateful of that. But I guess um, a mother daughter relationship is also important. And we struggled with that. So I was, I was in therapy as a kid, learning how to manage my anger, you know, I'd curse at my mom and have no impulse control. Um, so I had a, moving on, I had a hard time in middle school, you know, with the friend thing, um, not feeling good enough. I could remember my first sort of addictive behavior was having a horrible day at middle school, coming home and wanting to crack an ice cold Coke and eat goldfish. And uh, I just remember that feeling of like craving that ice cold Coke and, um, you know, really wanting it. <clears throat> then, <clears throat> excuse me, I thought my voice. Um, so that's kind of the first feeling. My mom was also on me a lot about diet, you know, ultra slim fast shakes and things like that when I was just a kid. Um, so high school, I got to go to a private high school because my mom was seeing all the problems I was having and wanted to give me a fresh start and thought, you know, she was in education that I would get a better education. So I had um, a really nice high school that I went to. And um, I remember it starting again with the friend clicks that were already there and, um, you know, seeing that, no, oh, I, I want this one to be my best friend and they're already friends and feeling those feelings again. Um, I did great in high school for my first two years. I think being in the new environment, being at such a great school was really good for me. Um, but eventually my inner disease came calling for me and you know I wanted to try cigarettes as a way to fit in um, and I tried alcohol I got really sick and um, and I would seek it out seek out someone who's who can help me do this you know who can buy me cigarettes who can get me drunk and then I found marijuana and it was a love affair in the making um, you know I began to cut out from school and um, you know, engage in risky behavior um, through high school. And for some, somehow, I think I must have just been a master manipulator, but I maintained my grades uh, for the most part and was able to get into some good colleges. Um, I did get called out by the staff for having a problem, and um, the school recommended I was put to put, be put in a rehab. Um, so I did go to the rehab, you know, and my parents, um, follow through on that and you know I was able to go home and say oh mom they're all doing meth they're doing this is crazy I just smoke weed and um, she took I was like this is going to do more damage here's my manipulation and and she put me in therapy instead which of course I lied my way through and I had an older boyfriend who was in his 20s in high school and um, you know could could escape over there and um so anyway, I'm off to college. My brother just has his uh, schizophrenic breakdown, and it's just the perfect storm for my addiction. Um, you know, obviously, we know going away to college, there's no supervision. Um, I, it's pretty much a haze, college, how I got through. Um, you know, by the end, my parents were writing papers for me and doing a stock market project because I was just, I was just gone. I mean, other drugs had come into the picture as well but not not consistently like marijuana had and um i had a good stoner friend we were buddies you know with my best friend and then i had my other best friend weed who would get in the way of that friendship um life continues on i graduate and um 
able to get a job, a corporate job in HR. And I just always felt I had a hard time with, um, you know, keeping this double life, like, you know, putting on a suit to go to work and, um, you know, and then, then kind of partying and getting high. And I was pretty good at being able to not smoke during the day because um, I wanted to maintain that fantasy of functionality that I could, um, you know, I could have a good job and I could make my mom happy and pretend to be this person and, um, you know, pay my rent and all that. And, uh, you know, but I was just broken inside and, um, you know, I didn't, wasn't really able to um, find good relationships um, with men and, you know, my relationships with women struggled and eventually I I struggled a lot with uh, organization and neatness in my home and, you know, being able to, as a case manager, being able to keep track of cases and document and file. And um, eventually I felt I was forgetting words and conversations and not being able to, you know, communicate with people I need to communicate with at work and feeling embarrassed and, um, and I don't know. And I always felt like, Oh, I'm, I'm going to lose my job or someone's going to, how long can I keep this up? Um, it was a memorable feeling. Um, I finally quit that job and worked at a pot club for a little while, did some soul searching and decided to go into education. But, um, you know, during this time I had known that, marijuana was a problem for me, but I wasn't quite ready to um, accept it yet. So um, I went on into education and uh, working as an aide at the school. Um, But even before this, you know, I'd work, I'd go home, I'd get super high by myself, um, watch TV, you know, I'm not participating in the world. Uh, I start to remember like a, a indicator for me was I was watching um, a commercial about the animals who were like homeless and abused and things. And my pothead friends over and she's like, Oh, that's so sad. And I was feeling nothing. So I was like, Oh God, I'm a monster. I don't even feel sadness about, you know, these poor animals. And so it was an indicator that I was becoming them and which was what I wanted. You know, I couldn't deal with life, but it was like, it was um, too much, you know, sometimes I wanted to feel life. Sometimes I wanted to, you know, I wanted to feel happiness on happy occasions and I wasn't anymore. And, um, you know, in my, my friendships, I've, I've had a good longtime friend um, since childhood and she's, I guess she's a normie. Um, and, um, you know, I wasn't able to really be open with her and, um, be vulnerable and um, it was kind of you know I would be there for her but I wouldn't give her the opportunity to be there for me and share with her about my life and um, you know and in some ways I would judge her and feel um, to feel better about myself um, when she would be vulnerable with me um, still wasn't able to you know be in any sort of healthy relationship and so that was you know as I was getting older into my late 20s and things like that it was you know I was like okay well people are starting to pair up and get married or go on that track and it wasn't happening um so let's see those were some of the problems so by the end of my addiction um 
maybe about, it was probably about five years ago, my dad was diagnosed with Alzheimer's and um, he didn't, you know, I wanted to, it was so important to me, as I described earlier about our relationship to be there for him and to value the time I had with him, to be a support, to, you know, enjoy the time I had before he was gone or his mind was gone. And um, so I'd set aside times to meet with him once a week. And, you know, maybe the first time I was good. And then I said, oh, well, let's just, why don't you just take me out to dinner somewhere nice and then I can go home and get high. And then I would want to cancel. And um, I was also doing dabs at this point, which are the high concentrated um, form of weed. So, I mean, I just felt completely brain dead. I felt totally enslaved to um, to marijuana and to, to dabbing, especially because it was just so strong. I mean, it was, it was really horrible. Like I, you know, couldn't even say a sentence or focus on a reality show and, and track what's happening on this Bravo reality show because I'm just too high to even follow that. And, um, and I worked with kids and, you know, it was hard. Um, it was hard, um, you know, not remembering what, what I taught them the day before, or, um, you know, just being my best for them because it was a job. It is a job that I love. And, um, so that was, you know, struggling. I was, I was struggling with that too. So no relationship didn't really, I thought I had some good friends, but, um, you know, with my friendship I described, but I learned later I could have made it better and, uh, no relationship. I was letting my, myself down by not being there for my dad and, um, you know, I'm, I was 33 and just, I couldn't keep it together anymore. And, um, I just knew something had to change and there wasn't anything else to change. Like I, I loved my job. I, I had a house or a, a condo and, um, I had friends and family and everything else was good. I couldn't make any other excuses anymore. And, um, I was hosting my mom for, we we're going to go out for dinner and I was just for her birthday and I was just a mess. And, crying and you know I said yeah I think I need to go to therapy so I went to a therapist she had actually been a marijuana addict um, also so somehow I found an amazing therapist and she recommended I go to MA and um, I did you know I did my homework right away because I was desperate at that point I knew I needed a change and um, this is this is how I had to do it and I tried in the past to you know throw it away all those things we talk about of trying to stop and um, I couldn't, I couldn't stop on my own. So um, I went to MA, I was so excited to do my homework, because I wanted this change. And that's really been the theme, I think, of my recovery is just, I've been so hopeful that life can get better. And um, that I can fulfill my potential in life. And, um, you know, marijuana really limited my potential. Um in, in many ways, not just like career wise or things like that, but, um, you know, my relationships and my experiencing life, I wanted to be a part of the world and I wanted to, um, you know, be, a a good member of society. And, um, I was just so hopeful. So I went to my first MA meeting. Um, I felt that connection right away. Someone said hello to me after a meeting and it meant the world. Um, to be acknowledged and I kept going back and um, it's amazing. Like it's just, I um, it's, 
it's amazing to start to do the work, first of all, and um, really work through those steps. I mean, I think I had a pretty strong understanding of step one at that point, and maybe I thought I did a two and three, but I, you know, I still struggle with my own will. And, you know, I think mostly the cravings for marijuana are gone, but, but it's kind of other things will pop up instead. And that's something to be careful of for me is, you know, just other things that can make me feel good in the moment. Um, but I have no desire to have that be marijuana. Um, <clears throat> and I did drink a little bit, like I said, in, in the first six months. Um, I didn't start the steps for a while, but I did call someone and get a sponsor. And that was incredibly awkward um, for me. And that didn't really work out. She, I don't know, it didn't work out. So um, I found another sponsor and then eventually I started working the steps and I would question, what is a spiritual awakening? What does that mean? And is this this amazing moment? And, um, and I was on a pink cloud for a while as well. You know, just that being feeling right size came up. I felt like I was so much better than other people because I had gotten sober or at least clean at that point for marijuana. And, um, yeah, I just felt on the top of the world, like things are going to change. My life's going to be great now. And I really thought that it was all going to happen fairly quickly in, in time. I was like, well, once it's out of my system, you know, I'm going to be great. The person I want to be, I'll find a relationship. I'll feel my feelings. I'll be participating in the world. I'll be able to follow through for my family. And um, it's it's a, a little more of a process than that, I guess a lifelong process so um you know life can still be hard at times and I mean I think that's what life is but you know the joy of having a problem and overcoming that problem sober um is a good feeling you know I I really um enjoy esteemable acts and that's something I have to always keep in mind that I have to keep doing things to feel good about myself um in sobriety, whether that means changing the cat litter every day or um, taking out the trash, um, you know, taking showers every day or every other day and, um, you know, addressing in a, in a nice way for, for work and out in the world, presenting myself nicely and um, things like that are esteemable acts. Um, Let's see. I am. so that's really important to me. Um, the promises that we read earlier also, you know, had to do with feeling like, oh, my God, life's going to be so good. And I'd listen to people and I really wanted what other people had. And I stuck with MA. Um, so uh, let's see. Uh, I got a service position pretty much, I think, as soon as I was able to. I started secretarying a meeting. Um, I would do chips and lid or offer to be a timer before that, things like that. Um, you know, be the chip person or um, set up chairs, do whatever I could to be of service. Started talking to newcomers uh, after the meeting and remembering how that felt for me. And um, eventually I got into um, service at the district level. And now I'm our district treasurer. I started doing H&I. And, um, at an adolescent um, rehab center, and that's been really great. Um, I've been doing that for about a year, and I just um, offered up that position. 
to someone else. And I'm thinking about um, putting myself in to be a delegate at the conference that our area is hosting this May. So um, I'm really grateful for MA because, you know, it, it, that's exactly what I needed. You know, any other fellowship wouldn't have, I don't think it, uh, I wouldn't have felt as embraced and connected as I did in MA. Um, so I really want it to be around and I want it to stay here. And especially in today's times and the political times with marijuana, um, you know, I think it's so important because our lives, I mean, just, I just know what a better person I've become in such a small amount of time and only you know, 17 months or whichever date you want to use. I, I go with 17 now. Um, I just know what a better person I am and how much more dependable I am. And, you know, my word counts and um, I have more energy to do things for other people. And I am there for my family and um, I've become a better friend and I've really had to work on self-love and forgiving myself. That was a big part of my ninth step was forgiving myself for beating myself up for, for just the self abuse that I, that I was so used to doing and, you know, pitting myself and isolating and, um, you know, and I really have to just really embrace one step at a time, one day at a time, one moment at a time, you know, in that moment when I could either stay in bed and feel sorry for myself or get up and, um, take out the trash or, you know, do something like that or get up and make a plan. Like, um, I, I also have a sponsee now, so meet my sponsee early in the morning and that way I'll get up instead of sleeping in and just kind of challenging myself to do, to go against the grain, kind of my natural grain, which, you know, it's, it takes a long time, I think, to, to break those habits and behaviors of <clears throat> addiction and, and of not living life in the right way. And um, so, you know, I just have to think, well, what, what do I want to do? And, and uh, go against that decision. Like, well, I want to stay in bed. Well, okay, well, let me make, make some, make sure I get up the next morning. And I mean, I like brunch just as much, so I can only schedule a brunch till I get up out of bed. Um, so things like that, trying to have plans are helpful. I also have um, uh, started making jewelry and I go to an open studio and work on jewelry, um, you know, drawing or painting, um, things like that are fun for me and doing things with friends. And um, yeah, life is just really great. And I look back and, you know, I was talking about how wanting everything all at once. And I look back and I'm like, wow, you know, I can do this now. Or look how this way of thinking has changed a little bit for me. And I don't just naturally go into the wrong choice. Or, um, you know, I'm thinking of quitting an after school job I have um, and just making business cards. You know, it's driving and babysitting and making business cards to tutor and passing them out to the teachers I know and um, just being having faith um, so talking about the higher power but having faith that um, you know kind of if I build it they will come like I'm a good teacher I know a lot of people if I just spread the business cards like I think that I'll get enough people to kind of replace that income and um, I really enjoy that more so um, and that's kind of like the promises you know for me because I think I would have had so much fear of oh I'm not going to be good enough or you know I'm not going to get jobs or they won't like me or whatever so you know it's nice not living 
in fear so much anymore. And that's one of the way the promises has come true for me. And um, I just, you know, if my mom criticizes me, it does affect me at first, but I'm able to work through it and realize that's what she wants to make her happy. That's not who I am. And I like who I am. And um, so how am I on time there, Marianne? I think I'm about done. Yeah, you have time. Okay. How much more time do I have? About five minutes. Okay. Um, So, yeah, I guess I have really seen the the promises come true, and that's something I've been thinking about lately. Um, Excuse me again. Um, So, yeah, I meet with my sponsee, and I have my sponsor who – I probably could talk to you more, but I still see my therapist once a week and um, I go to meetings and I do fellowship um, service. Um, One thing that's been helpful for me um, for self-love is, I I don't know if many of you were at the convention, I think some of you were, I recognize some names, but um, we did like the mindful self-compassion workshop um, just about being compassionate for yourself and you know, true happiness really, I think, comes from loving yourself and being able to get what you want in the world or be the person you want in the world comes from loving yourself. But something I do is, uh, it's called Ho'opo Pa'ono, and it's a Hawaiian forgiveness practice. And I did that a lot during my ninth step, and I still do it, which is the first step would be saying, um, I'm sorry, you know, maybe for beating myself up. Or you can just say, I'm sorry, in general. I'm sorry for eating that muffin. I'm sorry for eating three of those donuts instead of one of those donuts. Um, So I'm sorry. And then um, I forgive you. I love you. And thank you. And that um, by the time I get to thank you, I'm so happy with myself that I just thanked myself. And, um, you know, we all like that validation and acceptance. And that's the ultimate kind, you know, accepting and, and validating yourself and, And so, you know, and it's it's weird at first saying, I love you and, um, and, and those steps, but they start to become true. It's kind of like other things with resentments. You know, if you, you pray for that, someone else can have what the things you want, the happiness and health and safety, you know, that, that the resentment lifts and, um, you know, so repetition, I think is also really important. I'm trying to better my meditation, um, practice and I think that'll be I think I've gotten a lot of signs that that'll be something that'll be helpful for me and you know someone passed me a book or I shared at a meeting and people were kind of talking about that as as a response to my topic and um so you know I think listening I it's so nice having a higher power and and, um that ease that things are going to be okay and just making the next right step um next right decision for myself and, um, you know, looking for the, the signs, you know, I was talking about the tutoring and someone called me last night, an old client said, are you still tutoring? And I was like, Oh, that's the sign. I should definitely do this. I'm going to make those cards. I'm going to put them out. I'm going to quit this job at the end of the school year and it's going to be okay. So, um, yeah. So I think, um, I think that's about all that I've got. And, um, Thank you so much for listening, everybody, and turn it back over to Marianne.